Okay, so we're going to inspect this home. I inspected this home and found problems. Remember those problems I was referring to? So do you think this is a problem? If you're a veteran home inspector, you probably have seen this problem many times. But there's a problem at this house with that. Do you think this is a problem? That arrow is pointing to some black pipe, some gas pipe, some fuel pipe. It's a problem, but I didn't make a big stink out of it, so to speak. What do you think about that? Whenever you see a bucket full of water, mm, how about that? That's actually a fire hazard that I'm showing you right there. So yeah, it is a problem. Do you think this is? Yeah. Anytime you see like major water intrusion and wood rot on wooden structural members. Yeah. But we're going to go over these. This is what we find in this home. We're going to find, is this a problem where there's hardly any water coming out of the faucet? And what about this? Do you think this is a problem? And what am I doing? Okay. If you wanted to be um, a member of Internachi and you've never been one and you're not one now, you can get a one-month free trial at natchiorg slash trial and enter the code webinar month. natchiorg slash trial and enter the code webinar month. Or if you wanted a 50% discount, use the code webinar. 50% discount for, for, for your first year for non-members. Again, our school is tuition-free. And it's an actual college, Home Inspector College. There, now you can see the logo. I wanted to show off our logo. So that's the Internet School. It's the only accredited college on planet Earth. There may be another college on some other planets. But this is our tuition-free college for inspectors at internet.edu. If you're thinking about getting trained, if you're thinking about taking state-approved CE, a course, on business or marketing or something like that. Make sure the URL is .edu. And there's the Internachi official vendor for website designs. This company is actually run by my family. So you're gonna get a really good service. Promise. Get a new custom website with SEO already built into it. And Internachi negotiated a low price of $2.99 one-time design fee, $16 a month. Do not pay anybody for SEO. Don't even open an email. I get emails all the time. Hey, we've looked at your website. It's got serious problems. Hire us to get on page one. Did you know there's no page one anymore? It's just a scroll. There are no pages anymore. We're gonna inspect this house. I inspected it. I took about 300 pictures, found those major defects that we just listed and showed you. So let's inspect this home, okay? Thanks for attending. If you have any questions or <laughs> if, uh, awesome, thanks, Edward. If you're attending live and you wanna tell me something, I'm gonna look down at the chat feature. There's a chat feature. This is the benefit of attending a live class. And then if you have a question, you can upvote a question. Oh, I see. So you, you all were telling me through the Q&A that you can't see your screen. Tell me through chat. Right, questions on the Q&A, and then chat means things, okay? All right, Jose, can you start again? Yes, I just did. Sharing your screen, yes. I think I'm sharing my screen. 
We're all on the same page. Are we good? Let's inspect this house. This is so much, this house was so much fun to inspect. So we can go over these topics. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. Let's inspect the home. Let's learn how it works. Let's find problems. Let's follow the standards of practice. Let's use inspection software. Let's read the inspection report. I'll show you the inspection report that I wrote. Let's learn how to get certified. We can talk about business and marketing. You can ask questions and it's video recorded so you can watch later, okay? We can talk about anything you want. Just put it in the Q&A or chat. Here's my schedule. I love to share my schedule. I followed this schedule for about 12 years. I was a home inspector in Pennsylvania, Southeast corner outside of Philadelphia, about hmm, a couple hundred home inspectors as my competitors, friendly competitors. And I made a lot of cash and had a great living as a home inspector. It's so much fun. It's one of the best jobs I've ever had. And I made a lot of money, about a thousand dollars gross revenue every day. And so did all the inspectors in our company. And we followed this, essentially the same schedule. And this is a process that we went over every day. We were time management experts, masters of our time. Because in business, if you're not paying attention to time, then you're wasting everyone's time, your time, your precious time, and you're not going to make any money. Imagine if you made $300 in 10 hours, right? That's not very good. No one's going to attend your very long home inspection. So a home inspection is about two, three hours, depending on the size of the home, the age, distance, all that stuff. So at 7 a.m., I leave my house. 8 a.m. is when the inspection begins, but I want to get there early and start on the roof. I do the roof inspection. You don't have to walk upon any roof. You don't have to bring a ladder, but you do have to inspect it or disclaim it if you can't see it, inspect it. At 8.15, I'm in the basement or the lowest part of the house, crawl space, or wherever the systems are, that's where I am. And this is the heavy lifting. And I'll be doing these systems for quite some time, almost two hours. I want to inspect the HVAC system, the plumbing supply, the drain waste vent, the water heater, electrical, and structure. And then at 10 o'clock, I'm in the attic. If I'm doing a three-hour home inspection, started at 8, my next home inspection is at 12. I do two a day when you manage your time and be efficient. At 10 o'clock, if I'm in the attic, I'm smiling ear to ear because I know I'm on time, I'm on schedule, and I'm going to make some cash at the end. 10.15, I'm inspecting the interior and the bathrooms. 10.30, garage, laundry, kitchen. 11 o'clock, I'm finishing up, getting paid about 400 bucks with ancillary or additional services on top of that. Performing ancillary inspections for my clients, that was, that was a great way to increase gross revenue. So there's only a handful of ways you can make more money in this business. One of them is ancillary inspections, we call them additional inspections. So 75% of all of my home inspections, we did a termite. 50% of all of our home inspections, we did a, also a radon. So if you add that up, full home inspection, termite, and radon, some home inspections were about 600 bucks, 700 bucks. I provided great value for that. I was very proud to charge that. I wanted to reach $1,000 per inspection. You can. If you add ancillary inspections, 
increase your fees based upon the enormous amount of value that you return to your clients. People will pay you hard-earned cash if they feel that they are overwhelmed by the value that you provide. Always charge on value. Always market yourself based upon value. And any conversation that you have with anyone related to inspecting, show your passion for inspecting and add value to the conversation. Let's inspect this home. And every home inspection begins with the standards of practice. I don't care if you're a 20 year veteran, you're always referring to the standards of practice. It's always in your head. If you're a beginner brand new, it's a great way to begin. This is the foundation upon which to build a great home inspection business and also process. If you have a team of inspectors, you have to manage them and make sure that they're all doing the same thing, essentially, minimally. Now, we, you can exceed the standards of practice for sure, and I did as well, but the standards of practice is where you begin. It's essentially your checklist of what are you required to inspect and what are you not required to inspect? What are you responsible for and not responsible for? First section in the standards of practice is roof. You want to go there? Let's see if we can go there. Let's just open this up just real quick. There's the standards of practice. And there's the roof section. And it tells you the inspector shall inspect the inspector shall describe, and the inspector shall report. Inspect, describe, and report. That's essentially what you do. You have to inspect these things. So you add those things into your checklist, write it on a piece of paper, and then get that paper and transfer it into your software. And then make sure your software runs on a mobile device. So I have software here. Can you see my software? Let me see. Where's my software? I can do this later. I didn't prepare. So I got Spectora on my software, right? And so you, you, uh, there's my next inspection. So you just go through the standards of practice, the checklist. Now you can add things if you wanted to in here. Maybe you want to add something else into this checklist while you're on the roof and you're inspecting it. And maybe you want to add what you, what else you describe, right? But the minimum, thing you need to describe according to the standards of practice is that. And then you have to report as in need of correction, any roof leaks. You can report whatever you want, but this is the standard, this is the minimum thing you're supposed to do. So that's what I did. Here, I'm not going to get up on the roof. It's way too high, way too dangerous. I'm very experienced in inspecting roofs this size, this high, but this one, just seemed a little slippery. The granular surface is a little loose. It's an older roof. It's still in good shape, but I'm not going to get on it. I don't have to, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to carry my big tall ladder, 32 foot Louisville fiberglass ladder all around the house. You do not have to inspect the roof with a ladder, but you have to inspect the roof. Drone is fantastic. Drones can take pictures like this. They can even get close and take 4K pictures and video. You can zoom in with a drone. If I was doing this roof with a drone, these pictures would be a lot better. I, the flashing is okay. The collar, the flashing around the boot, 
the metal. Wouldn't worry about the rust. It's where two dissimilar metals come in contact with each other. There's the chimney. I'm going to take a look around. Maybe it got hit by a football or something. I'm looking for cracks in the stucco, rust, corrosion, water, damage. The shingles themselves, they're in good shape. I take video as well. So I have a video camera and I'm taking pictures and videos and it's all going into my inspection report. And when I come down off of my ladder, I'm going to meet my client at about eight o'clock. They'll show up and I'll tell them about the condition of the roof. And I will also be done writing the inspection report for that system. I'll inspect it. And because I'm carrying my software with me, I'll be writing the inspection report. My software does two things at the same time. It's telling me the things I'm supposed to inspect, right? It's a checklist of things that I'm supposed to inspect, right? So there's the, all the things I'm supposed to inspect. Can you see that? There's inspection detail. There's the roof, the exterior, the foundation, the heating, you know? So I look like really smart because I'm carrying this great checklist that one, makes me look smart. I know what I'm doing and it helps reduce mistakes because I can just refer to this checklist to make sure I've inspected everything, at least according to the standards of practice, if not more. And then when I'm done inspecting the system, I'm done. I don't have to write it at night. And a lot of my competition wrote reports at night. I got a good night's sleep. So make sure you get software that works on a mobile device. And then InterNACHI has the standards of practice and the checklist that you need to write your narratives or sentences. Oh, there's a little Eve. So I'm coming down off my ladder. I'm going to move my ladder to the next area of the roof. And I noticed a little bump in the soffit. I think it's just a bump, maybe a, a football or something. It looks like something got pushed up. No big deal. It's really cosmetic. But I'm going to put it in the report. Cosmetic problem. There's a lower roof, a little bump out. Maybe there's a kitchen eating area or something. I'm not sure. I haven't been inside the house yet. This kind of stuff I put in my inspection reports and on my website. I want people to know that I carry a tall ladder and my competitors don't. So if you can find what distinguishes you from the competition, make sure you market that. Maybe it's just a, a home maintenance book. Maybe you give each client InterNACHI's home maintenance book filled with really good advice on how to maintain the home, right? Stuff you don't want to go over during the inspection. You just give this book, a hundred page color book. Maybe you want to put that in your marketing and that will distinguish you from the rest of your competition. Find, maybe you use infrared, maybe use a drone, find something that distinguishes you from the competition. So this helped me distinguish me from my competition. Why would you hire someone else hire this person, right? I'm going to get up close to your roof, if not on your roof. Love the gutter shots. Taking pictures of everything. So I'm moving my ladder around in order to look at all the components, the parts of the system, the roof system, and the other things that come through the roof, like penetrate through the roof. And when I come down from a ladder, from a gutter edge, I'm looking at other things like the siding and the windows. It's a good opportunity for me to do that. Let's turn this on. So I'm going to take a look at, while I'm up there, second floor window, 
can't see it from the ground really. There's a little opening there. It looks like it's been sealed. We'll take a look at the valleys where the gutter ends. There's a ridge vent there. Took it. Take a picture of every plane, every surface, looking for holes, poor installation, mistakes. And it should know what a good install looks like because I've taken InterNACHI's courses. And we teach you essentially what the code is, what the standard is for a good roof install. And then we show you what a defect looks like. So all this looks good. Top of the chimney. I know I have a wood burning fireplace. All that is looking good. And then wherever the roof meets something else, there has to be flashing. And I want to make sure that the flashing is installed properly. This looks pretty good. They um, grooved it into the top of the flashing, the counter flashing, and then there's step flashing down here. Counter flashing is installed. It's a little loose, could have been pinned or nailed or fastened. And then they're trying to kick it out here. This is a interesting area at the end of a gutter where it bumps up against the house exterior wall covering. I don't care what kind of material it is. This is brick, true brick. We want to kick out the rainwater that's coming around here, down the roof, and we want to kick it out away from the wall and into the gutter. So it's called a kick out, kick out, or maybe kick into the gutter. And this isn't a proper kick out flashing. It's not going to work. Um, there are kickoff flashings that are, um, they look like elephant ears now. They're really big. They're about as big as this counter flashing. They look kind of silly, but man, are they, they're really important. So when I see a missing kickout flashing, I'm going to put it in the report as something that a roofer should install. Yep. I, I think a missing kickout flashing on any house is a defect. So I'm looking for sealant. Wherever there are two different types of materials, building materials, especially on the exterior wall covering materials, this is brick, this is masonry, maybe some stucco, a piece of masonry, piece of concrete, you know, and then this is vinyl and the glass. Making sure uh, that's a blurry picture, then I'm looking wherever two dissimilar materials meet. That's another picture that's going into my marketing. Want everybody to know we carry tall ladders. We get up there. There's me, my shadow, funky hat. And that's a great picture too, right? I'm up close to the roof. I know the condition of the roof. Why? I have, I was there. I was right there. I didn't walk on it. I'm not required to walk upon any roof surface as a home inspector, according to the standards of practice. But I'm going to get as close as I can, and I'm going to inspect the roof for my client. There's the chimney. Chimney exterior, chimney top, looking good. I'm going around it. Here's the, it's a flashing detail, but it's heavily gooped, right? It's called a cricket. It's be, it's that thing behind the, the chimney stack. It's that little guy right there to divert water away and around a very wide chimney. 
but it's heavily like they nailed it down there and then it just gooped a lot of sealant. This is, um, you know, temporary, like sealant is a uh, bandaid, right? So just going to have to monitor that or maybe it already leaked. That's why they're, so this is just a crack of the masonry, the stucco, and there's some um, step flashing here and the stucco itself is the counter flashing and the, the bottom edge of the flashing there. And then it comes down and there's no kick out. So there's, I can see step flashing, right? And if you don't know what step flashing is, just take the Internet's roof inspection course. And then the kick out is missing. There should be a kick out flashing here. And, you know, maybe I'm dwelling over this component too much, making a big deal out of it. It looks nice, right? I mean, they have the shingle, you know, it's kind of like, out there that looks pretty good it looks like it'll work right yeah yep but really that is a defect and i'm gonna put it in the report let's say i don't have any problems below this area i don't have any signs of moisture intrusion or or roof leaks or chimney problems or staining of the stucco nothing wrong i'm still going to put it in the report as a defect that's how important this one piece of flashing is but I do actually have some staining below. So there's that missing flash out above, missing kick out flashing. There's the end, end of the gutter where it butts up, connects with, touches the exterior siding of the chimney, the exterior of the chimney. And this isn't a true masonry chimney. It's made out of wood and it's wrapped with stucco, ex stucco exterior. So now, have a concern about water, not only staining the exterior stucco, but also um, maybe causing water problems inside. That's the thing about kickout flashing. If it's not installed, water can go through a little hole in this area right there and penetrate. Well, how do I know it's that's what's going to happen? I don't know. I really don't. But just my experience is. Mm, that could happen. So it's been staining, been dripping down. There's the chimney stack there. There's another picture of the staining. There's the other side of the chimney stack. Okay. So do you think this is a defect? Would you put it in the report as a major defect that needs to be corrected? Now, by a roofer. Uh, let's see. Question. Kenneth asks, what about roofs that have solar panels? Are we supposed to report on the condition of the panels? Um, we have some really good training videos about how to report, not on the condition of the panels themselves, but um, maybe on the fastening, uh, the boots, the supports. Um, but we also have a bunch of electronic components, right? meters and cables. So you can take a look at that, but get trained and certified. Um, come to InterNACHI, get trained and certified. We have some resources for you about inspecting solar panels, but careful, you're far exceeding the standards of practice. Just want you to know that once you exceed the standards of practice, you can't really refer to them to help you and protect you. So you have to have a local business attorney to go over your inspection agreement and make sure that you are setting the expectations of your clients. 
if they're expecting you to inspect the solar panels because you said you would, then you better be able to inspect them well. You better be competent in that service and agree to what you are actually inspecting. Are you inspecting the efficiency, the, the kilowatt efficiency of the solar panels or just looking for cracks? Okay, so careful about that. Um, do you report the age of the roof? Um, no, but I will give my client a guesstimate. I'm not required to report upon the age of the roof. Um, it's very difficult. I tell my client to ask the seller. The seller usually knows, the occupant, the seller, the owner of the property usually knows how old the roof is. And at the same time, ask them um, about any prior problems like a roof leak. Most sellers remember a roof leak, right? And so you ask those. They're supposed to disclose that kind of stuff when you ask them. And But I give my clients, uh, if it's a brand new roof, I can, I can pretty much tell them that it's relatively new. And then I tell them if it's around 10 years old or at the end of its service life. So brand new, mid, or at the end is where I'm trying to give my clients a good estimate. If we don't have any information from the seller, I'm going to do my best to give them an idea of what they should be budgeting for. Should you be budgeting for a roof replacement very soon or not, right? That's a good type of roof structure, type of shingle. Yeah, John, just go to the um, standards of practice. The standards of practice will tell you what to um, report upon. Okay, there's a little discussion about solar panels. Okay, uh, exterior. I think about water. So in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, it rains a lot in Pennsylvania. It also rains a lot in North Carolina. It rains a lot now, just about everywhere. I mean, I moved from Colorado, used to be some semi-arid. Now they have downpours um, and floods in Denver. So think about rain. And it's coming down. It's going to hit these components of the roof. And it's going to be diverted away because it's not waterproof. It's just supposed to be diverting away, right? Water resistance. There's nothing waterproof. Really, that's how I think about it. And then all these little areas, like, um, let's see if I can zoom in. Yeah, like this little drip, like the drip edge, and then the, the fascia soffit areas. You know, we saw that bump up in the soffit, and then how's it come down? Anything that comes in contact with the the side of the house, there should be a little flashing area. You know, and maybe there's a kick out flashing somewhere. Or, you know, they're flashing above the door and then where the door tread meets and flashing and there's some clearance and then the site drainage. How do we get the water away from the house? And if it goes near the foundation, how do we get that away? And I'm thinking about this when I'm inspecting the exterior. Thinking about water, even on a sunny day, I'm thinking about how does water get controlled? How does the property manage water? It's not the property owner. It's how, how's this property built to manage water? When you're sleeping and it's raining at night, you're not managing water. The property, the building structure is managing. How does the gutter capture all the water, collect it into a downspout, and discharge it away from the foundation? Gutter, downspout, discharge. We want this away from the foundation. 
especially I know I have a, a basement, a basement for you, uh, Floridians is, uh, an entire floor underground. <laughs> so we had a lot of basements in Pennsylvania and that means a lot of water intrusion areas to inspect potential water intrusion. How do the downspouts divert water away from the house? This one's dumping water up against the driveway, which is really great during the winter time because then this becomes an ice rink, ice skating rink. I can't tell what's going underground. I'm not responsible for inspecting anything that goes underground like this one or behind dense vegetation. I can see this is discharging here and maybe we need to have a low area here. Maybe we need to fill this in, get that water away from the house, right? Get this water out of here. There's hundreds of gallons of water during a heavy rainstorm being dumped by this downspout. We want that water away. We want the ground sloped away from the house. We want hard surfaces sloped away slightly from the house. We don't want them diverted towards the house. We want a clearance between the bottom of doors and windows and the ground. So this is ground right here, comes down and it's even with the window. So you can imagine a uh, snow melt, let's say. Snow is piled up here and it melts. This is coming right in, right? It's so much fun to figure all this out. So they put a window well on this one because this one doesn't have a window well. It's just, there's grade there, there's ground there. This one, the ground is higher. So you put a window well, you can buy this at Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that and put it in. And then this should be filled with gravel and hopefully it can just drain by itself. If not, there's a big complicated system about drainage pipes that should have been installed when the house was built. And if it's not there, it's really difficult to install now. But the idea is that you put a plastic cover over this if you wanted to stop rain from coming in. I wouldn't do any of this unless I have a problem in the house first, right? Dense vegetation. There's a downspout here. I don't know what it's doing. I'm not responsible. There's only so much I can do. Ideally, like you want my client to be told that you, I'm doing a home inspection. I'm going to take both hands and I'm going to put them behind my back and we'll walk around the house and just look around. And that's what I do, essentially. I just walk around with two hands be tied behind my back. It's a visual only inspection. I'm not there with a rake and a gardening hoe trying to figure out where this downspout is under the dense vegetation. There's dense vegetation. I, there could be a hole right here in the siding. Huge hole this big. Can you see? This big. There could be a hole this big behind this bush in that siding. There could be termite infestation. There could be a big termite just they're eating like that. It won't be in the report because remember what I said before? A home inspector will put defects in the report if he or she both observes the defect and considers it to be a major one, a material defect. If it's cosmetic, it won't be in the report. If I don't see it, it won't be in the report. It may be there on the day of the inspection, but it won't be in the report unless those two things are checked off. I have to both see it and consider it a major defect. Lots of, I hate these things. Oh, they just scrape my face and my arms and my legs and my back. 
really difficult. But you can see that there's a lot of dense vegetation. And I can see maybe there's things I need to get closer to. So I'll try, try to get really close. You know, I don't like this area because what is this, a weep hole from the brick? So close to the ground. Is there, a, is this a low lying area? So I'm kind of excited because we have low lying areas near the foundation. And I'm, I'm thinking about that kick out flashing and the downspouts. So when I get to the basement, I'm going to really have a lot of fun. Dense vegetation. I have no idea. No idea what's going on here, right? It could be a huge hole right there. Yep. There really could be. I'm being transparent. Like, yeah, there could be a major problem right behind it. But that's not my problem. You know, as a home inspector, you're not responsible to find all the defects in a home. Are you responsible to find all the problems in a home? No. Only the problems that you both observe and deem to be, consider it to be a major material defect. There's a lot going on in this house. I'm so excited to get inside. I'm really, this is what gets me going, right? Being a home inspector, trying to figure out where is this rainwater coming from? But right now I'm, I'm really just looking at, I'm looking for holes, missing pieces, something melted, warped, rotten, something wrong. I'm looking at different materials, looking for things that are loose. There's a fastener there. No big deal. This is, I'm not going to comment upon that fastener. No way. No way. Light fixtures there. That's great. Gutter, soffit, fascia. It's basically, you know, a lot of the home inspection training courses that you take will be all about identifying. Can you identify what this is? This is a gutter. Can you identify what this is? Fascia board. Can you identify what this is? Soffit. Can you identify what this is? Siding. Fixture. Trim. Flashing. Garage door. Brick. Masonry joint, you know, these are not actual functional shutters. They're just plastic ones fastened in. I like to take a look at the sealant around there, around there. And I take a picture of this. This is breaking open a little maintenance. That's what the home maintenance book is all about. I don't have a whole lot of time to put maintenance tips in my inspection report. We've gone over the primary purpose of what a home inspection is. Find those problems and put them in the report. This is maintenance. So I let my home maintenance book do all the talking. I don't feel my inspection report isn't 200 pages. I let my internet home maintenance book do all that kind of talking for me. No trip hazards, no trip hazards here, right? Looking good. Hard surfaces. The driveway looks fantastic. I take a look at the bottom of the door. The bottom of the door, you know, it's sealed up. They sealed it for me with clear sealant just before I arrived. It looks like the siding looks good. Vinyl siding. It's in good shape. Just observing. And this actually is taking me about 15 minutes. It looks like I'm doing a lot of inspecting, but it's, it's only about 15 minutes on the outside, maybe 20, if you consider that I'm also writing the report as I inspect, looking where this material meets that material. You know, is that damage? Is that cracked? No, it just looks like wear. All right. Nothing loose. Looking good over here. Got those components there. I'll get to that soon. Bottom corners of the door, slider door. There's a exterior receptacle. It has to be GFCI protected. I wouldn't worry about that little trim on the slider door. Who cares about that? 
looking good. This is the chimney stack. They put sealant, like the front door, they put sealant here in between the vinyl siding of the house and the chimney stack, which is stucco all the way up. Must have had a roofer or someone with a ladder. There's component there, components, right? This is a fresh air intake for the fireplace. This is a vent, probably a bathroom vent. And this is a dryer vent. Why do I know that? Because there's lint and a pipe, about four inch diameter pipe. And this is a fire hazard. You can't restrict the exhaust termination of a dryer vent. This dryer vent is blowing out and it's getting caught. So the louvers are restricting the flow. The lint is getting caught. And when you have lint blockage of a hot dryer exhaust, those are good conditions for a fire. And you just Google dryer fires and uh, it pops up. So really insurance companies should be hiring a home inspector to inspect every home to make sure that dryer terminations are not fire hazards. Home inspectors are a central part in keeping fire hazards to a minimum. And this is really bad because the dryer vent pipe isn't even connected to the exhaust hood. So now it's venting warm, moist air into the wall cavity. Warm, moist air, lint into the wall cavity. All right, that should be fixed and then cleaned by a professional and installed properly. It's a fire hazard. That's a major defect. So I got some problems back here. Oh, I don't. I can't reach it. That's my problem. But what is this? I know what that is. That's a hose bib. I don't know why they call it hose bib. Code, code calls it hose bib. Uh, it's a water faucet. Exterior water faucet. Exterior spigot. Okay. What is this? I don't know. Is that a problem that I don't know? No, it's not a problem. I don't know a lot of things. You kidding me? I, I don't know most things. I only know a few things. And I know that I don't know this. It could be a lot of things. It could be uh, sump pump. Well, it's kind of high for a sump pump, but it might, if this is the water spigot, usually, you know, this is the band rim joist here and they'll pop through this. Looks like, I don't know if it was installed with by, by the builder or something. Why does it go down underground? <clears throat> this is a clean out? I don't know what's going on. It'd be kind of cool if it was a sump pump. Maybe I do. I don't know. I don't. If someone asked me, hey, what is that? I'm not going to just make something up. I'm going to say, I don't know, but I guarantee you, I'm going to do a little research and figure it out. Whether it's at the inspection or later, I'll try to figure it out. If I can't figure it out at all, we're going to ask the seller, the occupant, the owner to explain it. Someone's going to give you the answer. That's what I'm going to tell my client. There's a water spigot, works. There's another water spigot that works. There's a, a plug here for lights. There's a exterior receptacle, all GFC, all exterior receptacles need to be GFCI protected. So no one gets shocked. There's a meter there. It's hard to get to because of the dense vegetation. Um, it could be sealed up. We don't want water to go behind the meter itself and, and do damage to the wood structure. Um, there's a line going to the electrical panel. I see the grounding wire there. 
I don't see a rod. I don't have to. I'm not digging things up. There's the gas meter. It's close to the ground. There's a gas shutoff valve. I'm not I'm not worried about the rust on the meter. And the meter in itself goes, uh, the gas line from the meter goes into the house there. Could be sealed up. We don't want little mice to get in there. There's the air conditioner unit surrounded by dense vegetation. It's not very efficient because we want a lot of clearance. We want a lot of airflow through this coil here. The fan turns on and, and you know, air passes over the coils, right? Excuse me. There's a refrigerant line, suction line. There's the disconnect. Take a picture of the label. There's a disconnect there. Refrigerant line looks good. Little rust. I'm not worried about it. I'll kick it on, but really we need to trim this back. Next is heating and cooling. We doing good? Yeah, Kenneth, I think it was the sump pump. Austin, that's a clean out, I think for the sump pump, but we'll see, yeah? Um, okay, we good, yeah. Continue, yeah? Okay, heating and cooling. There's a thermostat, um, emergency shutoff switch, so you can turn off the unit from afar if it's like on fire or something. Um, and then there's the unit itself. So from this distance, when I do a home inspection, I like to think of phases or distances, afar, mid, and real close. I'm going to touch it if I'm real close. So from afar, I take a picture and then I move closer. I'm taking pictures of like the components. And then real close is I'm touching each component. And that's how I learned. That's how internet courses teach you. And that's how code is written. Code is written in chapters, chunks, systems, and then they go into components, right? So it's big and then little. So in my mind, you inspect like big and then little. So in my mind, right, I have a furnace. I have a gas-fired furnace because there's a gas line. I have an air conditioner. Saw the compressor unit outside. Here's the interior coil. It's forced air, duct work. Here's the return, probably furnace here, air conditioner here, trunk or plenum supply here. Next to it, I have a pipe, air conditioner, produces condensate, has to drain somewhere into a pump. The pump has a discharge tube. I don't know where that goes. I'll follow it. It's an electric pump. It's plugged in. So I have a cord there, gas line, gas valve. Oh, is there a defect here? Where's the gas valve for the hot water tank? I don't know. Well, what if I wanted to shut off the hot water tank? What if I wanted to shut off these units? Shouldn't there be a valve here? I can see there's a valve here for the furnace. Where's the coupling? Where's the union to disconnect the furnace? from the? So this is a drip leg, right? I don't think code has a, a measurement of the sediment trap, drip leg sediment trap. Three to six inches. This one's kind of long. No big deal. But you're supposed to be able to shut off before the sediment trap. You're supposed to be able to shut off the gas in order to clean it out. No one cleans out, right? So the gas valve, I'm expecting it to be here. Now, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm not a code inspector. I'm not a plumbing inspector. I'm not a plumbing code inspector. I'm here to do a home inspection. I would love to see a, a valve for every gas-fired appliance. 
That's about it. Love to see a drip. That'd be good, right? But this other thing that I'm considering about, maybe I'll do some research later. Where is the valve supposed to be in relation to the sediment trap or the drip leg? Maybe I'll look that up. Here's a shutoff switch. Here's the plug. I have a hot water tank, cold water coming in, hot water coming out, and they're both gas fired. I see vent pipes. I've identified everything in this in this picture here. Oh, brick. Um, the unit itself, it's a great idea not to set a metal jacket appliance on a basement. So they lifted it up and we've got concrete foundation. I've identified everything in this. If you can identify everything in this picture and talk about it, whoop, shut off valve on the cold water supply line. You're doing really well, right? But here's the thing that I'm going to, just for fun, maybe in the evening or something or on the weekend, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look up the 2021. That's currently the most recent code. IRC for sediment trap, right? It's G2419.4. It'll tell me everything I need to know about sediment traps, right? Do I have a link? Oh, yeah, I have a link. Oh, I have to log in. We'll do it later. So InterNACHI's courses, remember Home Inspector College, tuition for our Home Inspector College provides free online courses to everyone. It's accredited. Our courses are actually based upon code. Whenever code changes, our courses get reviewed and updated. And so when you're a home inspector trained and certified by InterNACHI, you're highly knowledgeable about what is going on in a home. Uh, refrigerant lines coming into the air conditioner. It produces condensate. It's going to drain into a sump pump, uh, to a pump, a condensate pump. It's plugged in with a service switch there. Take a shot of the, the unit itself. You can turn it on and off. There's a shutoff valve. Oh, there it is. It's inside. The, the coupling, the union is inside. I can see it. So I'm going to take a look maybe at the code. There it is. And there's a gas-fired unit. Burners, draft fan, blower fan to circulate the air. There's the air filter. Hold out. It's clean. They cleaned it for me just before I arrived. The burner's there. I'm going to kick them on. I don't want to see any damage, rust, or corrosion. Draft inducer fan and all the components. You take the uh, InterNACHI's advanced HVAC course. We go over every component and tell you what, what it does. And we actually pull it out of the unit. It's really cool. This is the con uh, connection pipe, the vent pipe, exhaust pipe for the furnace. It connects with the hot water tank. And then it goes up to the chimney. We saw that outside. Remember the slight uh, rust and corrosion? And then take pictures of labels. And next is plumbing. So remember, I'm managing my time. I got there early, eight o'clock. My client shows up. I tell them the condition of the roof. I got a problem with a missing kickout flashing, right? It's not installed. It really should be. There's at least two kickout flashing. There's one by the chimney stack. Them remember that brick one. The exterior not big. No, no big deals. HVAC. I'm pretty good with that. I'll look into the code about the sediment trap and where the valve is supposed to be located. Now I'm going to plumbing. 
And it's about 8.30, 8.15, something like that. I'm doing plumbing. Yeah, Austin needs a gas shot off valve before the drip leg downstream. Exactly. Yep. And there's this really cool section of the code where it talks about T's. You know, the, the idea of the sediment trap is that the gas flow takes a turn. And where it takes a turn, it's supposed to drip into the sediment trap, you know? So it's kind of neat to learn about that. And you can learn that through InterNACHI's courses, the plumbing course, HVAC course, and also code. Basically the same. There's the pipes, the plumbing. I think of uh, drain waste vent going out and water supply coming in. There's a toilet flange there. Just looking for leaks, really. It's an occupied house. I don't have to run water first because it's an occupied house, unless there's some kind of weird vacant section of the house. If it's fully occupied, all the toilets have been flushed. I'm just going to take a look around. Water going out, water coming in through a shutoff valve, water meter. There's another shutoff valve to replace the meter or the other components. There's a, a jumper cable. You learn about that. There's a check valve. So now water comes in to the house through the meter and it's checked and it can't go back out. Okay. So it's a closed system. Got it. We also have a water heater on this system, on this closed system. It's called water heating equipment or water heater. And it's defined by code. We refer to code a lot. Even though you're not a code inspector, you're a home inspector, right? Uh, thank God we're not a code inspector. You know, you would have to be responsible for every detail of the code. And the code books are yay thick, right? We're home inspectors. We got the benefit of that. You don't have to worry about code. You can refer to it. Not out loud, but into your head or in your checklist. You can even carry your software, right? And have notes. The software that I use has a note section. Like, uh, for example, the TPR valve on a hot water tank, the extension pipe of the TPR valve of the extension, you know, just the pipe itself. I think there are 14 conditions within the IRC code about that pipe the extension off of the TPR valve on a hot water tank. There's 14 things that are required about that pipe. I can't remember that stuff, but I can inspect them if I'm carrying around my software that has notes. It's one of the cool things about getting good software. Okay, so water heating equipment or water heater is any appliance that heats potable water and supplies it to the potable hot water distribution system of the building. These terms are really important. You know, home inspectors, if we speak the terminology of building standards, contractors, builders, and code, and things like that, then we are on the same page, right? We shouldn't say, hey, that uh, hot water tank, you know, it's not really a hot water tank. So water heating equipment or a water heater, um, water, you know, the potable hot water distribution system, it's, it's a lot to get out. It's like talking Shakespeare with home inspections, but... It's important to use the right terms. So that's why I'm referring to code. And if you want to learn more about water heating equipment, go to 2021 IRC chapter 28. All right. So that's a check valve. When I see a check valve, I think of a closed water system. Remember water can't get back out, but we have a water heater, right? Water heating equipment. And so heating up water. What happens when you heat up water? It expands. So there's no expansion tank. 
on this closed water system. So when water comes in, water heat, heats up and it tends to expand and push on this line. And so a tank would relieve that pressure. Because right now there could be excessive amount of pressure here. So I'm gonna make it a recommendation. It's not going to be a major defect. It's not gonna be in red and bold unless I see a problem. You know, there's, it's like one of those things like, uh, you know, like the kickout flashing, that's a, that's a defect, right? But it's such a serious defect. I'm gonna tag it as a major material defect so we can get a contractor in there. Because if you don't have that flashing, you don't actually know what's going on behind that stucco. There could be a lot of wood rot behind that stucco. That's how important it is. This expansion tank, you're gonna hear probably knocks in the water line. You may even see a, a discharge of a TPR valve. If you see those things, then yeah, you need you need to install this. Right? I'm gonna put it as a defect that should be attended to and further evaluated by a plumber. We need an expansion tank here. So when you're writing your report, you have to describe to your client what you see, and then you have to tell them what that implies. What is the implication? Is this a major problem? Is it a just some silicone on the cricket flashing that needs to be monitored? Or is this a major problem that if I let it go, it's really going to be a safety hazard or a fire hazard like the dryer vent or a structural problem like the missing kick out with water intrusion, right? You have to tell them then what to do after that. After you describe it and give them the application, what do you do? Have it further evaluated by a contractor. So there's the TPR valve, there's the extension and it's dripping. And it's likely because there's too much pressure in the system. There's a check valve, closed water system, hot water tank heats up and pressure is coming up. A TPR valve should never be dripping. If it's a TPR valve and it's dripping, there's something wrong with the pressure. That's a defect. Could be even a safety hazard. Um, it's a hot water thing. So I don't touch that, but I take a picture of the gauge and where it's, and it's a 40 gallon tank. Cold water comes in through a shutoff valve, hot water comes out, and um, there's the hood, natural draft, and exhaust out. And FEIR, um, a safety uh, tank. Um, ideally, there would be like uh, maybe a catch pan underneath, but this bucket is, is kind of funny. You know, they have a water problem and they don't even know what it is. That's okay. Most homeowners don't know that this is a problem. I mean, it's just like, oh, I guess it's supposed to leak. So I'm not pointing fingers at a home, as a home inspector, I'm not pointing fingers at the seller saying, oh, you should have known. Most sellers don't know how to maintain their home. That's how critical a home inspector is. The local neighborhood home inspector should inspect every home in the neighborhood as part of a homeowner's routine maintenance plan. The homeowners here didn't know that they have a, a plumbing problem and potentially a, a safety issue. We don't want this hot water tank to explode under pressure. Every home should be inspected by an internationally certified home inspector. Okay, so there's the basement. 
Basement is next. Basement, foundation, crawl space, and structure. That's what's required by the standards of practice. I'll take a look. What software? Um, Samuel asks, what software do I use? I, right now, I like Home Inspector Pro, Home Gauge, and Spectora. I've used 3D, TAP, uh, other in, uh, inspection software. I think I've used them all. Um, I like Spectora. I like Spectora. But what you need to do is try them out. Because, man, once you jump on a ship, it's hard to jump ship. So try them out. Ask for free trials. Um, go on the message board of Internet's message board. Ask around. Um, and uh, you can email me, ben at internet.org. I've got some discounts from software providers, and I can show you what to do and how to, how to make sure that it's good software and test it out. So, yeah, just compare them, right? Make a list of, and then, you know, ask for reviews. Ask other inspectors what they like and why. Okay. Um, okay, good. Sump pump, I knew it. I knew it had a sump pump, you know? I didn't see the discharge or maybe I did. Remember that pipe, that funky pipe that went underground with a cleanup? I think that's what this is. There's water in the sump pump. I'm going to say that to my client. It's a manual float. I'm going to reach in or I'm going to reach in with a, a gardening tool. This is a three tine hoe. It's a gardening tool and it's an extended thing. So it extends out so I can reach in, grab the sump pump and float. And then I like this tool. If it's dry, I'm going to tell my client at the time of the inspection, the sump pump was dry. Or at the time of the inspection of the sump pump bucket, there was water. I try to write in the past tense because conditions can change. If it was dry, and then, and then it turns out after a big heavy rainstorm, it, it floods, right? It fills up. I, I can't predict future events, but it was dry at the time of the inspection. If you say it is dry, then that kind of conveys that it will stay dry. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. I am telling you the condition of the home at the time of the inspection. I'm not telling you what it's going to do in the future. There's the tube from the condensate, air conditioner condensate pump. It pumps into the sump pump. That's why it's probably wet. It's probably wet all the time. So my client should understand that. I'm not saying a, a wet sump pump is a bad thing. But if you're sensitive to indoor air quality issues, this is one of the nasty things in a basement. Um, think about it. Dark, wet, damp, always wet. Um, not really, you know, not really. Uh, those are the elements where you can have a lot of uh, indoor air quality issues for sensitive people. There's a check valve there and it's plugged in and discharges outside. So that's cool. There's the rest of the basement. Floor joists, ductwork. There's the basement there, um, where the sewer line goes out through the foundation wall. They patched it up, and some efflorescence there. I'm not sure about the water marks when they came. It's not wet to the touch right now, but that needs to be monitored, right? Maybe during a heavy rainstorm. See how that looks during a heavy rainstorm. I'm not sure. Some pumps right there. That's a good thing. But um, 
Yeah, that's efflorescence. You can learn about that in our structural course. And there's a, a part of the foundation wall that was maybe not poured well. Maybe it was there was a void there or some kind of problem and some water penetration came through and they patched it up and there's efflorescence and watermarks and multiple watermarks. Not sure when those watermarks took place. It could have been years ago. Um, it's dry to the touch now. But if you don't, if you're not sure what all this looks like, all this is cracks and patching and efflorescence and the white stuff and the watermarks, we have a structural issues for home inspectors course. Let me show you where that is. So you go to nachi.org, any nachi.org page, nachi.org, get started, click training and education to get to our education page. All of our courses are provided by tuition free college, internachi.edu. Search for structure. Structural issues for home inspectors course pops up, log in, and you go into what to look for inside the home, structural issues, and you go down to basement and crawl space. And this is what <laughs> you can look for. So we highlight uh, a good bullet point list of things to look for. And we talk about water intrusion and cracks and I like this part down here where we get to um, commonly observed shrinkage cracks and poured concrete foundations. And this kind of looks like what we just saw. Got a crack, some watermarks, some stains, some efflorescence. And we talk about those cracks and how to correct them. That's all in the structural issues for a home inspectors course. I want you to take a look at that. I highly recommend it. All right, taking lots of pictures, looking around, still I beam, there's the gas line, some solid lumber, two by tens. There's insulation at the band rim joist, that's nice. Can't really see, I'm not responsible for anything that I can't see, right? Duck work, floor joists, the floor structure there, some plumbing, electrical, all looking good. And what I do is at that band joist, at that band rim joist, I get my gardening tool and I, it's extendable, right? So I can extend it out and then move insulation and put it right back. And I do this in a couple areas like around the chimney, at the front door, at the rear slider door, at a deck that's attached to the house. I grab the insulation, take a look behind it, and put it right back in. No one knows. It's a little secret. So I do that again here. I do that again in the corner. It's a good time there. And I do that again in uh, uh, a watermark. Hmm. Watermarks. And maybe some some sawdust. You know, it could be like, uh, you know, it could be literally sawdust from a saw. You know, carpenter ants love rotten wood and they create frass or sawdust, but it looks like there was some kind of patching here or something, something's going on there. So that's underneath the, the door there. That's interesting. And then there's some watermarks at the bottom of the floor joist and watermarks here. Looks like they had some water coming in. Now this is near, we're getting near the chimney now. Oh, and then more watermarks. I'm getting closer to that chimney, watermarks, 
more watermarks, lots of watermarks now. I pull the insulation down because I'm not going to get, I, I need to pull some insulation. And it's a good thing I do. This bump out is the chimney. And if you can imagine it like, what what the heck is a chimney? What, is, what do you mean a chimney? Well, the kick out, kick out flashing that we found, remember it was a de defect? That was, now it's 22 feet, 24 feet up in the air. Above this area was a little kick out flashing that was missing. There's some water stains below the gutter indicating water was streaking, not being diverted into the gutter, but streaking down the stucco. But that ain't half the story. This is major structural water damage, 20 feet below that missing kickout flashing. Imagine what's between this and that kickout flashing in that chimney stack. So now we've got a major material defect. Not only was there a missing flashing, and I told my clients when I met them in the driveway about the missing kickoff flashing at the chimney, I didn't realize this, right? This was gonna happen, but I just kept it in my head. I wanna make sure that wherever there's a kickoff flashing above that's missing or something missing above, right? You wanna connect it all the way down, like water flows vertically down. Water can also wick all the way up. Water is amazing. It can go in all kinds of directions. See, a, a house is a system of interdependent parts. Every part is connected to each other and can affect each other. So a missing kickout flashing at the top of the chimney stack can have major indications of water intrusion problems and structural defects 20-some feet below. Right now, I'm really happy because I'm going to provide an incredible amount of value to my clients that nobody really knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Seller doesn't know about this. So this is major structural problems. It's really awesome. I love doing this. If you know me, you've seen my inspection reports. I love sticking my screwdriver into rotten wood and then taking a picture. It does two things at the same time. You're not supposed to be able to stick your screwdriver through a load-bearing component, and uh, it gives it scale as well. So that's really cool. I'm having a lot of fun right now. This is why I do home inspections. I mean, this shot here is really great. This is why every home should be inspected. This, this home was inspected because it was being purchased. A real estate transaction triggered a home inspection, but man... This has been going on for 10, 15 years. And now that chimney stack, I really think behind the stucco, there's rot just like this. And this is 20 feet away. I think near the penetration point, the water intrusion opening, I bet the damage is even more significant. No one would ever know if we didn't have a home inspection. That's why every home should be inspected. There's the water pipe to the water hose. There's a shutoff valve to the, and it's off. That's why it didn't run. And it goes outside. There's the water hose. Remember on the outside, there's a hose bib 
and the pipe that comes out in a weird orientation, that's it. And this is the sump pump. That's awesome. And that there's the condensate line. There's another shutoff valve to that other hose bib. And smoke detector. Smoke detector. Okay, next is electrical. Everybody hanging in there? Remember, this is video recorded. Go and just come back later, right? All right, you're doing great. Wow, more people joined us. Almost over 50 now. Oh, almost 50. Fantastic. We had 200 people register for the class. Okay, electrical. You're not required to remove the dead front cover. I do. You're not required to, okay? But, you know, I found it an advantage that I have. Two fingers means 200 amps. The electrical panel looks good. The breakers are all labeled. It's uh, It's been... Uh, inspected the wires look good uh, there's the there's the low voltage thing for the the phone the phone and cable i take the, the panel off you're not required to do that i wouldn't do it it's not high voltage but it's you know a mistake is not a good thing to do when you're removing the dead front and all i'm doing is i'm looking for a big fat breaker on a thin gauge wire and i don't have any i don't have any problems really don't have any problems here i'm looking for Melted wires, melted casing, you know, um, something loose. I don't, I don't really grab wires. I don't really touch anything inside. I'm just, just a visual and only inspection. But what I really want to do is look for a big fat 20 amp breaker on a small 14 gauge wire. Um, that's called an impacity problem. Um, so don't want that to happen. I'm not going to go crazy about the, the multiple wires under a log. That's good. I'm just looking for a major, um, don't worry about, you know, that uh, it looks good to me. Looks good. Okay. So we have an electrical panel checklist. You can incorporate that into your software. We have an electrical inspection course, all about inspecting electrical systems and components within the house, including the distribution panel, the main panel. And then the, you know, there's a really great chapter about the um, inspecting grounding and bonding. So I recommend taking InterNACHI's course about that. Oklahoma, Oklahoma requires removing the dead front cover. Um, I think there's also a state that requires walking upon the roof as well. So InterNACHI is this international organization with national standards, but you must obey whatever is local. Your local laws and regulations overrule anything national, Okay. And then within that local rule, the spirit of the regulation usually is that the more um, difficult or stringent or, or uh, challenging or specific the standard is, that overrules the general ones, right? Okay. Uh, let's see. Fireplace. Ah, as a note, Texas inspectors Removing the panel is a requirement. There you go. Awesome. Thanks, Sam and Edward, for contributing. Um, Jose, do you use your phone for taking photos with Spectora? Absolutely. Yep. It's really good. Um, I like Spectora because uh, just like most software um, things, you know, if I'm if I'm on the roof and I'm on the roof section in my software and I'm talking about the missing kickout flashing and I take a picture, that picture pops into that section right there. So the pictures can 
pop into the section, or you can have them uh, later on um, and put them all uh, in, in bulk at the end of the report, whatever you want. Uh, what's the name of that app? Uh, measure on my iPhone. Do all basements have a sump pump? Billy asks. No, not all basements. All basements should. If it's underground, crawl space, all basements should. Even semi-arid, I'm just you know a stickler on that. And if it's a dry sump pump, you can use it as a, a point for a radon mitigation system. I used to install those as well. Fireplace. We have a fireplace. Um, it's not a masonry fireplace, right? And we've got that water problem. Now that's in my head. And so when I was in the basement and did the systems downstairs and I'm trying to get upstairs on my way up, I'm going to hit the fireplace because I want to see if there's, is there water, like a ton of water inside here? No, nobody knows about the water problem. Only a home inspector does. There wasn't any code inspector who found that water problem. There wasn't any contractor, no roofer, no plumber. No one could find that major water problem other than an internationally certified home inspector. So the panels look good. This is a manufactured panel. I'm just looking for creosote cracks in this panel, big holes. There's the damper door, I open and close it. And that's about it. We have other problems. You know, it could be cleaned. Yeah, that's a regular maintenance issue. Get your fireplace cleaned before you use it. But we've got that kick out flashing causing major structural problems. I'm in the attic. Remember time management? We went over my time agenda for the morning. Started eight o'clock. The inspection started. And at 10 o'clock, I better be in the attic. I am. So right now I'm really happy. I'm double happy. I found that major material defect with the chimney and the kickoff flashing and the water damage. And now I'm in the attic and I know I'm managing my time well. I have the interior, the bathrooms, the garage, and the kitchen. I'll end up in the kitchen. And I got to do that in about an hour. All that, it's not that bad. And then I'm on my next inspection, which is at 12. So 10 o'clock, I'm in the attic. I'm not walking this attic. I'm not required to. There's no flooring. I have fallen through attics before and I've repaired them. I only did it once. Whole leg went right through. Million dollar home, multi-million dollar home, days before closing. So when it's not safe, you're not required to go in. If you consider it unsafe, you're not required to do it. I would argue in Texas and Oklahoma that requires removing the dead front cover. If you consider it unsafe, I, I would have my attorney conversation with my attorney. Like, do I actually have to, if I consider this unsafe, let's say the access to the dead front cover is over the dryer, right? And you can't reach the dead front or some other thing. Maybe you see some scorching. Or maybe you use the voltmeter and it it's live when you touch the dead front cover. If you think it's unsafe, you have to document why you feel it's unsafe and don't go. Okay. Don't have to risk your life. The most important thing for a home inspector is coming back home safe. Doing a great service. Don't skip stuff, but just come back home safe. And internet actually has a a safety course. We have a bunch of safety. We even have a ladder safety course, but a safety course for home inspectors. That's a really good one. Reminds you 
You don't have to risk yourself. You can do a fantastic inspection without risking your life or doing something that's not safe. And you could be the only one who considers it unsafe. Guess what? That's what the standards of practice says. It's up to the inspector to determine whether it's safe or not safe for the inspector. This is not an objective thing. It's subjective. It's up to your opinion whether or not you deem it, consider it to be unsafe or not. Okay. Bathrooms is next. I'm out of the attic. I don't find anything wrong. There's no active roof leaks and no structural problems. No one's cut any trusses. So I'm in the bathroom. It's basically the same thing over and over again. Flush the toilet, run hot and cold water to sink, look at the traps, look at the valves, do the shower, tub, drain, walls, floor, ceiling, GFCI, vent, windows, door, out. Plumbing access panel would be nice too. Okay, flush, there's the sink, and there's the other sink, this is the master bathroom. I get in the shower, don't turn the water on, and I'm pounding on the walls. And if my hand goes through, right there, if my hand goes through, that tile wall, I'm really happy because that's my job. I'm supposed to find problems. Your, your hand is not supposed to pass through a tiled wall. If it does, you have found a problem. You didn't create one. You found it and that's your job. So if you do damage, that's your job. If you turn on a dishwasher and it leaks all over the floor, that's your job. You found a dishwasher leak. You didn't cause damage. If you stick your screwdriver through a floor joist, <laughs> it's not supposed to do that. You didn't cause a hole in the floor in the floor joist. You found major wood rot. Okay. So doing damage is okay. Make sure everybody knows that this tile was soft and my hand went right through it. There is functional flow coming from the shower head. Toilet's flushing and filling up. Sink is running and there's functional flow. And I'm trying to redirect the shower head to a corner Trying to make it leak, actually. Trying to make it leak right there. And if it leaks, found it. Just use some sealant. There's a tub, big tub. Probably no one uses it. So I'm going to fill it up and then I'm going to drain it and make sure it doesn't leak in the ceiling below. Hot and cold water. Turn it on. Cold, hot. And all of a sudden, everything shuts down. I got the tub running. I don't know how many gallons per minute. I can measure it. I can measure the pressure. I think in Texas you have to, but everything just shuts down. I'm get, barely getting any water out of the sink, barely getting any water out of the shower. So that's an indication of a low flow. I'm not a plumber. I'm not diagnosing this. I'm not quantifying anything. I'm just saying if you have multiple fixtures running at the same time, you're not going to be able to take a shower. You can't even wash your hands. All receptacles in the bathroom need to be GFCI protected. The interior of the bathroom looks good. The ceiling looks good. There's a fan that goes outside. I think that's where that one vent was, that hood that we saw. Uh, inspection restrictions. I can't see anything in there. There is a closet. Found a plumbing access panel. I thought it was a plumbing access panel, but it's actually an attic access panel. And there's one strip of insulation, but it's over the garage. So it doesn't have to be insulated. This is, you know, outdoor air. It doesn't have to be insulated. So um, careful. Don't call this out as a defect, like, oh, missing insulation, when actually it's not really needed. It's outside the envelope. Hallway bathroom, same thing, toilet, 
tiles. Trying to pound on the tiles, I'll pull on the soap dish and it kind of handles. You got a good flow there, got a good flow there, got a good flow at the shower. Plumbing access panel, no water leaks. That's great. There's GFCI protection at the bathroom receptacles. Door opens and closes. That's good. Lowest floor half bath. Flush the toilet. Looking for plumbing leaks at the trap and at the valves. GFCI protection at the receptacles. There's a window for the vent. That's great. Laundry. Laundry is not specifically listed in the standards of practice, but you know incorporated into um, your inspection report if you wanted to. Like you can group things. Like I group bathrooms. I group interior. I group the the kitchen. So there's the dryer. Remember the dryer hazard is a fire hazard. Um, the pressure hoses should be replaced with pressure tested hoses, you know, braided mesh hoses. All receptacles in the laundry need to be GFCI protected. And it'd be nice to have a water catch pan underneath the clothes washer. Not a major problem. Interior. Um, open and close the windows and doors. Representative number of windows, doors, receptacles. Look at the ceilings and the floors and the walls. Inspection restrictions here and there. I don't know what that switch does. I don't have to know, but I'll try to get it on, you know, turn it on and off. Maybe it's a wall switch or something like that. It's actually low on the floor. Not, I don't understand what's going on. It's okay. Don't have to know everything, remember? Uh, ceiling fans, I turn them on. Take a look at the interior hallway. You know, certain things I can't reach, obviously. Can't reach all the windows. Not inspecting everything, but, you know, I'm looking at, all the windows, I'm not opening and closing everyone. I'm just looking for cracked window panes. That'd be great to find. Doors and windows, open and close, fans. There's the switches, the doors. Looking for any kind of wood rot here. Um, in the basement, we were below. We saw some watermarks underneath. Uh, no big deal there. I think that's why they put some sealant there on the outside. Handrail. Interior is okay. No problems. No major defects. The ceiling, remember the below, the tub, the master bathroom tub. I want to make sure that there aren't any problems there. There aren't. There's the fireplace. The floors look great. You know, I'm not going to comment on torn carpeting. That's cosmetic. I'll put it in the report if my client wants me to. I'll show my client. And if they want to put it in the report, okay. But that's not really my job. Garage, got two-car garage. Garage door openers. There's 10 steps to test, inspect a garage door opener. It's in our garage course. Uh, and it's in the interior course in the garage section. They open and close. Everything's properly installed. The safety eyes work. The interior, there could be termite infestation right there, carpentry infestation. I can't tell. It's not going to be in a report because there's inspection restrictions. And that's what these photos do. They help me. You know, I've been, I was sued as a home inspector. I remember um, someone had termite damage. Um, let me see. I'll show you where the termite damage, not in this house, but it was termite damage here, right? Actual termite damage. On the outside, there's a big planter pot with a big bush plant thing covering it. And on the inside, there was, um, I forget what was installed there, like shelving and construction. Like they were kind of hiding it maybe. I don't know. 
But when I got there, the seller obviously removed everything. The planter was out of the way. The stuff was out of there. And the buyer, my client was like, hey, you know, we got termites. I'm like, wow, let me come over. So I come over, I'm in the driveway, 10 feet away. And I go, whoa, I could see that. I could see the termite damage. Look, yeah, anybody could see that. Well, that wasn't the condition when I was here. Now, when I was here, look, take a look at the picture. I couldn't see anything like that. So from 10 feet away, I was always like doing a reinspection, going, wow, I'm, I can see that, obviously. I mean, it's obvious. If I was doing a home inspection, that would be in the report. But two months ago, that wasn't the condition. You know, it was all covered up. So that's why I like to take a lot of pictures to remind people the condition of the home as it was during the inspection. It's very different. After the seller removes everything, after the seller removes the bricks, right? Th this condition could be very different. I'm not responsible to see behind things. I'm not responsible to remove stored items, personal items. I'm not responsible for finding all the defects, especially when they're hidden like this. So I'll do one of these pictures where I'm holding my flashlight. I'm looking as best I can, but I can't possibly see everything. But as you can tell, the value of having your home inspected is still incredible, incredible value. I'm in the kitchen. Uh, okay, so Sam says, um, if, you, if you don't wanna do something that you feel is unsafe, you have to put it in the report. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the same thing with a roof. Like you're not required to walk on a roof. Some places are required to walk on. But I would say if you can't inspect something like you usually do, that's required by the standards, put it in the report. Like if you can't get into a crawl space, you make sure you identify which part of the crawl space you can't get into. Because sure enough, there could be something back there, right? And if someone assumes that you got back there and you actually didn't, you really should put it in your report. If someone is assuming that you took the dead front cover off because that's what's required by the state, but you didn't, I'd put that in the report. Absolutely, Sam is correct. Um, what else we got? Mm. Does your time schedule cover 900 square feet to 5,000 square feet? Resume longer for bigger. Correct. So InterNACHI has a, uh, a fee calculator. Uh, email me, ben at internachi.org, and I can send you that calculator. And you enter, there's a couple of factors. Um, that I like to have a baseline fee. $396 was our baseline. We start with that, $396 for anything. We'll go down if it's like a condo and there's a lot of things, that, systems that we don't have to inspect like the exterior or the roof. But it's $396, it's about 3,000 square feet, three bedroom, three and a half, two and a half bath house, something like that, maybe garage. So we start there. If it's older, like 50, 100 years older, uh, 100 year old house, probably more defects, a lot more to inspect and we're gonna charge more. If it's bigger, like square footage, we'll add to every thousand square feet, right? If it's far away, if it's more than 50 miles away, we'll add to that. So you need an office manager or skill set to manage these inspections, especially if you, have, if you have a team or you're doing more than one a day. If you're, if you're not, you know, you need to make 
enough money that day, right? So if you can't do two inspections, you got to bring in that revenue for that one day. So you have to charge. If you're traveling far, you won't be able to do two inspections that one day. So you have to charge for your time. You have to charge for your time. If your client wants you and it's two hours away, they'll pay you. <laughs> Just tell them, you know, that uh, my time is valuable. I have to charge for my time, charge for fuel. You know, fuel prices are going up. Charge for the age, charge for the size. And based upon a value, not all about time. The fee you charge cannot be just about the amount of time that it takes you to do the inspection. If I was inspecting a house and it, there were no defects and it took me two hours, two and a half hours to inspect, I'm charging my full price. I don't care if I didn't find any defects or not. If the home didn't have any defects at all, it was a perfect house, no problems. That's amazing information. That's incredibly valuable information. I don't discount that because the house doesn't have any defects. So always charge based upon the value that you provide. And the home inspection business and marketing course will take you through these mental exercises and force you to think about what kind of company you run and how much value you can provide to your clients and what distinguishes you from your competition. Kitchen, kitchen sink, garbage disposal, valves, electrical connections, things like that. So I'll take a look at that, run the kitchen sink. All receptacles on the in the kitchen need to be, especially the counters receptacles, need to be GFCI protected. So we have some receptacles that are not. We actually have four receptacles that are not GFCI protected. <laughs> Missed them. Darn it. <laughs> Is this a defect? Yeah. Uh, maybe it was built to code. I don't think so. Could have been. Way back when, there was this code about GFCIs in the kitchen that were like, if it was six inches, uh, sorry, six feet away from the kitchen sink. Now it's all counter receptacles. Now it's all receptacles, right? And even AFCI. These four, if the real estate agent or the seller said, well, it was built to code back then, um, I really don't care. If the house has um, is 100 years old and it doesn't have any smoke detectors, well, the house was built to code back then. Sure, right? <laughs> so you're not required to have any smoke detectors. Yeah, yeah. And remember, a home inspector can't force anybody to do anything, right? A code inspector can, local authority can. But a code, uh, home inspector, uh, we just make recommendations. If you don't want smoke detectors in your house, fine. If you want GFCI protection, protection, fine. But I'm going to put it in the report as a defect because it's a safety issue. So I inspect without any regard to the age of the home. I don't care when the house was built. I don't want to, if there's a, a large space between the spindles of the railing of the interior stairs large enough for a child to fall through. I don't care 
that the home was built to code back then. All homes were built to code, right? But as, as code changes, code changes, unfortunately, because firemen and people get hurt. So if I'm trained in relation to the latest standards and codes, and I know in my head and in my checklist that there should be a smoke detector in every bedroom. And when I'm doing an inspection on a home, there aren't any smoke detectors in any bedrooms. That's a defect. There aren't any GFCI protection on these counter receptacles. That's a defect. Now I'm relieved. I don't have to worry about when was the home built? Are these, is this in compliance with the international residential standard of 2006? I don't know. Who cares? So I inspect without any regard to the age of the home. So if there's missing AFCIs in the panel, and the panel is uh, electrical panel is 15 years old, no AFCIs, right? I'm going to recommend AFCIs to be installed. So that needs to be fixed, GFCI protection. I'll run a short cycle in the dishwasher um, just to see if it leaks. If it leaks, fantastic. I'll turn on all the burners in the oven and make sure I turn off the oven. And the vent for the stove range is uh, self-circulating. It just, it doesn't go outside. Ideally, it would terminate outside. All mechanical exhausts should terminate outside. The inspection report, you want to go over the inspection report? When are you cycling the HVAC on? Um, one of the first things I do when I get into the home is um, I turn on the heating system. So at the thermostat, I turn on the heating system. I run to the heating system. I go down and I see if I can catch it going through its cycle, right? So on that furnace that we just inspected, um, it had a draft inducer fan. So that's the first thing that turns on, right? So I'm waiting for the next thing. So we teach you what cycles are, what happens during a, a heating cycle and a cooling cycle. Next thing, you know, I want to want to hear that. I want to see that igniter or a glow plug light up. I want to hear the gas valve turn on, click, boom, click, right? Heats up, wait for it. And then the blower fan turns on, right? And I don't have to heat the whole house. Uh, I think... Uh, in some states like Texas, you have to do a Delta T temperature in Pennsylvania, not required. So, you know, I turn it back off. So the heating system, I turn it off, service switch, and I pull out the air filter and I take a look around the blower unit and all that stuff. And I put it all back and I turn it back on, go upstairs, turn on fan, let it cycle, cool off the heat exchanger just enough. And I'm coming back down, right? And then um, like around, like when I get to the hot water tank, I go up and I turn the air conditioner on and I come back down and I wait for the cycle. Listen to for the, for the refrigerant line to get cool with my hand, boom, turns on. I don't have to cool off the whole house, turn it off, finish up the basement and the heavy lifting systems, come back up and put the thermostat back where it was. And then while I'm inspecting, I look for a register, a supply in every room. That's about it. That's that's my cycle. So when am I doing it? You know, as soon as I can, I turn it on. 
soon as I can. And I try to look at um, all the all the the sequence, the firing sequence. I would say. Uh, Ken, does Internetchi still offer that magnetic handle for the panel cover? They sure we sure do um, through our e-commerce partner, InspectorOutlet.com. InspectorOutlet.com. Do you put all the pictures in your report or just major issues, keeping all others on file? I put all the important pictures. You'll see it. We'll go over the inspection report. I give my client all of the pictures and all of the video. I do, um, do video at the same time. And I put the inspection uh, pictures in the inspection report that mean something. I don't just fill up an inspection report with lots of pictures. I put them in the report because they mean something. Um, a picture is worth a thousand words. So I think of a picture as a thousand words. So at this point in my inspection report, if I have a picture, I want, I'm thinking of like, it needs to express, it needs to be of value. Uh, good question. Whitney, do you need to test all GFCI outlets even if the home is occupied? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's vacant or occupied. I test GFCI um, with my test. Ah, uh, that's why you always have two. So my little GFCI tester, right? I test the receptacles that I'm expecting to be GFCI protected. So a little tester helps me do that. You can also do it at the panel. A lot of inspectors just go right down the line. Click, 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 that little test button. Like that's probably the best thing to do. Test the test button. Just like you test a smoke detector with a test button, you don't start a fire. Test, 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 test. All the AFCIs as well. AFCIs are tricky. AFCIs, if there is an occupied um, person working from home, and now a lot of people do, and there's a lot of computer equipment, I don't want to turn off the power right during the workday. So I have to prep my agent to tell the other agent to tell the homeowner that I'm, I may be turning off circuits, electrical circuits. Don't do any computer work. Uh, and then I'm really cautious about turning, you know, like an office network down, right? Turning off the phone cable or something. I don't want to do that. GFCIs for sure. AFCIs, it's going to be my call. AFCIs are easy because if they're not in the panel, I just make a recommendation. I don't have to test them. Uh, do you need to test all that? Okay. Uh, okay, let's review the report, Sam says. Let's do it. Uh, table of contents, uh, just general information, what really matters in a home inspection. It's really, you know, I tell my clients, it literally says, relax. Would you just relax? You know, I'm giving you a lot of information, but really it just boils down to these four things right? Major defects, things that may lead to major defects, things that may hinder you to occupy the house, like WDO or structural damage. Um, safety hazards, um, like lack of GOCI protection. Those really are the four things. I'm going to overwhelm you with a lot of information, but um, that's just good information for you to know. Um, but really, it's those four things. And I like to stick that in the report. Roof, there's the pictures, right? Lots of pictures, lots of pictures. So, I think of systems and then components. 
So system, roof system, I describe the roof covering. And then um, my method of evaluation, my estimated age, the condition, the flashing, the ventilation, the gutters, downspouts. So here's a chimney and then components. And this is the this is the problem there. Correction and further evaluation. Boom. There's my screwdriver in the floor joist. That's awesome. Um, exterior. Exterior and then uh, surface water management, sump pump, window well, and you know the exterior siding materials, and then like the components, the exterior components, the walks, the patio, the porch, the steps, the handrails, the receptacles, the gas meter. So I think of a system and the components. And I made a comment about dense vegetation around the house. I don't have a picture of the dense vegetation. Maybe I should have. It's really your call, right? Maybe I should have put a picture of dense vegetation. But I'll give my clients a lot of pictures of the dense vegetation. So here's pictures of the heating system. Again, it's a system of parts and there's pictures of every part. There's a cooling, cooling has parts, pictures of every part. There's a plumbing supply, drain waste vent. There's the uh, pressure tank problem. TPR valve is discharging. That needs to be fixed. Electrical, electrical panel, no problems there, right? Structure, indications of previous groundwater penetration through a foundation crack, water marks may have leaked in the past. Ask the seller. So water problems there. There's some pump discharge. Infrared sensors, they're kind of high off the ground. This one's like a foot off the ground. It should be lower. There's the dryer vent. There's the attic space. There's the bathrooms. There's the kitchen missing GFCI. Um, this garbage disposal was shaking the sink. It was just vibrating the heck out of the sink. It's just a an audible thing that you can't like. You can record it as a video, but in an inspection report. If it's not an online report and it doesn't have video, you have to describe what you're hearing. Sometimes you have to describe what you're smelling. Um, and then there's the interior, hardly any interior pictures because it's all good. And then mold. Um, there's visible signs of mold. Um, in some states, mold inspections are regulated, so be careful. But um, you know, I want to tell my client that we have active wet water penetration down in the basement and uh, there could be problems with the mold. My client actually didn't show up with me to the inspection. And so I add a paragraph here about why that's important and what they missed out. I don't want to answer questions at night. I want all my clients with me. So a little paragraph there, a little summary of the standards of practice. Um, my inspection reports are boosted in quality with graphics and illustrations provided by InterNACHI's marketing team. This illustration to show what I check um, helps me communicate what I inspect during a home inspection according to the standards of practice. And this was a free, high-resolution, downloadable illustration from InterNACHI's marketing uh, team and gallery. We have thousands of illustrations in order to make your inspection reports um, look really nice. So if you were talking about the sediment trap, you know, on the hot water tank, 
That's really nice. Illustration is worth a thousand words as well. Here's a little thing about GFCIs if you want to describe. And here's the here's the kickout flashing. I kind of like this illustration about kickout. This is what it's supposed to look like. And then report conclusion and walkthrough. Um, I like that um, when I make a recommendation that um, it's supposed to be taken seriously before you close. So if you have a home inspection and the home inspector says, hey, you need to fix that. That means before you buy the house, that needs to be fixed. Or assume that you're going to fix it now. When the contractor comes and starts taking the stucco off the chimney, they're going to find a lot more problems than your home inspector did because a home inspection is just a visual only inspection, right? So the contractor is going to remove stuff, look at things, and <laughs> that contractor may say, unfortunately, well, your inspector should have saw this. So we are trying to work with contractors because we are visual only inspections, inspectors, professional inspectors, visual only, and the contractor comes in and tears things apart and obviously finds more stuff. And that's why it's important to follow up on the recommendations in your home inspection report before you close or take on the responsibility and assume that things are going to get worse if you're going to fix it yourself. So if it's a real estate transaction, that's a little tricky. You got to balance that risk. Pre-closing, a pre-closing inspection is really important and it should be scheduled at the time of the home inspection. So if you're, if you have a client they're scheduling a home inspection, remind them of the importance of getting a pre-closing inspection. So now you're scheduling two inspections. And then remind them of an annual home maintenance inspection. Now you're scheduling three inspections. Don't be just scheduling one, be scheduling two, maybe three, and maybe even more with mold inspections, radon inspection. I would do a mold inspection on this house because of the water intrusion problems. And I'd do a radon inspection because of the sump pump pit and Pennsylvania has high levels of radon um, and a WDO. So I would do a WDO inspection. That's a lot of inspection. That's, a, that's probably a $1,200, $1,400 inspection right there, right? If you add them all up. Pre-closing is I come in just before you sign on the line. If it's a real estate transaction, just before you sign uh, the agreement to buy the home um, with the lending institution and all the real estate agents looking over you, right? Before you sign on the line, that morning, hopefully you get a chance to walk through the home um, and the seller has hopefully removed everything. Now we can see things, right? Maybe we can do a little repair verification inspection. Maybe you ask the seller to repair something and I can come in and make sure it's been repaired well and document. It's your last chance to look around, right? And that's a, a fee or maybe it's free but it's something you can schedule. Now it's two inspections. Then you give your home maintenance book to your client and remind them there's 12 reminders within the book. You tell them to read this and there's 12 reminders within the book to schedule your annual maintenance. And so we, we're neighbors. I just inspected the home. I want to help you maintain this home. So let's follow up. I'll see you in a year, okay? And schedule it. Okay. And then the ancillary inspections. So stop. If you're scheduling one inspection at a time, stop and schedule multiple inspections at the same time for your clients, okay?
Um, so that's that's the pre-closing walkthrough. And then I have a letter for the seller that I leave on the kitchen counter that we wore indoor only shoes. So if you see a footprint, it's not us. Um, and that we moved blinds and curtains and maybe a piece of furniture and we turned on all the fixtures and then we try to put everything back. Um, maybe we tripped an AFCI and now your clock needs to be reset or something like that. Um, that's a good idea to just tell them, um, hey, thank you for letting me in. I, I treated your home like my own and you may want to check on these things. I tried to put your thermostat back where it was. Maybe you want to check on that. And that is the inspection report. All right. That was a two-hour home inspection training class. I want to leave you with a couple URLs. Internet staff, we're all there for you. There are 30 people who work at Internet and we all work for you. Imagine hiring 30 people to work on your home inspection business. Can't do it, but actually you can if you're an Internet member. So we're all on the contact page, natchiorg slash contact. I would go to the contact page, scroll down to the marketing team and ask anybody on the marketing team, what can InterNACHI's marketing team do for my business? And tell them where you are. Tell them what your goals are and see what they say. Okay, we're here to help. This is an InterNACHI webinar. And to register for the next one, go to natchiorg slash webinars. There's a 15-step checklist for being a successful home inspector, and that's at natchiorg slash everything. If you're trying to find something, I bet it's going to be on that page, natchiorg slash everything, and get a new home inspector website right now. Save your, keep your money in your pocket. Don't buy SEO. Don't buy a fancy website that's really expensive. Don't pay for managing. There's nothing to do when you build a website. There's nothing to manage. So... InternetG's official vendor for home inspector websites. That's inspectorwebsitebuilder.com. And they are at natchi.org slash website. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Thanks for the chats. Thanks for attending. Thanks for the questions. If you have any more questions, I'm on the contact page. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Bye, y'all. <laughs>